Turn your Bibles to Psalm 55 as we continue going through the book of Psalms this summer. Today we're going to talk about betrayal. And we saw something similar last week, but there's a, a different flavor to our psalm today. It's one thing to be betrayed by a stranger, but what about when it's a friend? What about when it's someone close to you? A friend, a family member. There's a special pain that happens when someone who claims to care for us or who has expressed care for us in the past then turns on us and sins against us betrays us, even though we thought we were so close. Maybe you've experienced that in your life. In many ways, this psalm is for you. From when the pain has felt not just hurtful, but personal. And there's that extra layer of betrayal because it was a friend. David in our psalm today gives us another lament psalm. And we're going to see a lot of similar themes that we saw last week. But there's this unique aspect of personal betrayal that comes through. That again, even when we don't have the words to speak, God has given us this psalm to speak that pain as a part of our process to move to a place of hope and trust. So let's hop into Psalm 55. And as we saw last week, lament psalms, one of the special aspects to them is that they are presented to God. And so we have in this first section, verses 1 to 3, this cry that God would hear our prayers. So let's look at that. Give ear to my prayer, O God, and hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. Because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, For they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. When Christians deal with pain, we present that pain to God. We do this even when God feels distant. Look at the second part of verse 1. And hide not yourself from my plea for mercy. Friends, you will feel God distant when you are in pain. But instead of running away from God, that is when you run to God. And David helps us understand that we will feel this way. But it is in those moments where we are to draw nearer to God because he is not absent. David in this section also expresses the great pain That he is feeling. Again, one of the gifts of the lament psalm is honesty about our pain. 
So verse 2, attend to me and answer me. I am restless in my complaint and I moan. That picture of being restless and, and moaning in pain, it makes me think of that, that stomach ache, that kidney stone where you are literally writhing and you can't get comfortable. And someone asks how you're doing and, they, and you say, mm. <laughs> David is lying on his bed, squirming in pain. And he's lying there crying to God because of the attacks of his enemies. Now, we don't get all the details here, and I think some of that preserves the universality of the Psalms for us. But look in verse 3, because of the noise of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they drop trouble upon me, and in anger they bear a grudge against me. Look at the variety by which David speaks there. Again, one of the gifts of the Bible is that it matches our lived reality. And one of the ways we see that in the Lament Psalms are the variety of ways that pain is described. So we have oppression of the wicked. We have they drop trouble upon me. And we have in anger they bear a grudge against me. There's a lot of similarities there, but there's also a lot of distinction. And one of the things I want to encourage you in that is that the Bible speaks to the pain that you feel, even when it feels very specific to your situation. One of the gifts of the Bible is that in all the different ways it describes the pain we feel, we can find one that does closely match what we're feeling. That sometimes you are going to feel that you're being oppressed by the wicked people around you. Other times you are going to feel the weight of someone bearing a grudge against you. God knows what you're experiencing and he has put that into his word so that we might express that pain to him and find solace in the fact that he knows what we are experiencing. In the next part of the verses, after, after crying out to God, after beginning to describe his pain, David, in the next section, continues to express his pain to the Lord. And again, this is a part of a pattern in Lament Psalms where we are honest with God about our pain. And we don't just try to push it back down into our stomachs, but we express it in a healthy way to the Lord. Look beginning in verse 4. My heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me, and horror overwhelms me. And I say, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. Again, we have this great variety of language, this great poetic language here in the Psalms describing his pain. 
Verses 4 and 5, my heart is in anguish within me. The terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fear and trembling come upon me and horror overwhelms me. Hear the internal pain that David is experiencing. That feeling in the pit of your stomach during times of hardship and stress. And not only these feelings inside, but look at the multiple expressions where the pain is coming upon him or seen as something that overwhelms him. Sometimes the stress and hardship we experience feels like waves crashing over us. That we are drowning in our terrors and our anguish. God has given you these words to your own heart so that you would express your pain to him in truth and sincerity. And after describing being overwhelmed by this hardship, David gives us another picture, this need to escape. Oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Yes, I would wander far away. I would lodge in the wilderness. I would hurry to find a shelter from the raging wind and tempest. David wishes he could fly away like a bird. Have you ever been in such a difficult or stressful situation that you just wanted to run away? David wants to go live in the wilderness, away from all the pain and conflict. He would hurry to find shelter from the raging wind and the tempest. We know about raging winds and tempests here. We know the power of a storm, the power of the wind. David says, I want to run away and hide from the storm. I hope you can see David as a fellow traveler in this world full of pain. And I hope that this psalm gives you the words to truthfully present your pain to the Lord. You don't have to deny it. You don't have to pretend it's not there. You can boldly proclaim it to the Lord. But the good news is, is that we proclaim it to move through it. We don't proclaim it so that we can stay in it. We proclaim it, not just to ourselves, but we proclaim it to the Lord. Because we know that he fights for us. And the next step in this, again, think of lament psalms as moving us through our pain to a place of hope and trust. But the next step in this process is to call out for God's justice. Let's look beginning verse 9 through 11. Destroy, O Lord, divide their tongues, for I see violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. In his call for God's justice, David begins by calling out 
poor against the violence and strife in the city. David sees sin and injustice happening in the city. Some commentators see an allusion to the Tower of Babel, that famous wicked city where God did divide their tongues as an act of judgment against them. The city is full of wickedness and sin. Look at verse 10. Day and night they go around it on its walls, and iniquity and trouble are within it. Ruin is in its midst. Oppression and fraud do not depart from its marketplace. What's interesting about these verses is, like I said at the beginning, one of the unique contributions of this psalm is how personal it gets, as we'll see in later verses. But before David gets to the personal, he looks citywide. He looks out at the people he is trying to lead. He looks out and he sees sin on a citywide level. See, there's two parallel paths here as we look at God's justice in this psalm. We're going to get really personal in a couple of verses. But I want you to see at the exact same time, David is talking about oppression and fraud in the marketplace. We need to see that justice is both personal and individual, but also God cares about how cities and countries act. God cares about the marketplace. God cares about fraud. This is a part of his justice. And we must understand that God cares about all forms of justice. That he wants justice in your individual relationship with one another and your neighbor's. But he also hates oppression and fraud in the marketplace. And as God's people, we must be concerned with both as well. That we are to personally live lives of justice and seeking to bring justice where we can. But that we also must care about the city, the county, the country. Whereas we are able to promote justice in this way. And again, as I mentioned, he goes from this wider view of justice in the city to now focusing on the very personal betrayal he has experienced. Let's look at verses 12 to 15. For it is not an enemy who taunts me, then I could bear it. It is not an adversary who deals insolently with me, then I could hide from him. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. For evil is in, is in their dwelling place and in their heart. Verse 12, 
David is saying something like this. It would be easier for me to experience this pain if it were a stranger. If it was someone that I already knew didn't like me. If it was a stranger with whom he had no previous relationship, then he could hide from him. I think we can all connect with this feeling. If we know someone already doesn't like us, and they continue not to like us, it's a little easier to ignore. But what about when it's a friend? Look at the heartbreaking description in verse 13. But it is you, a man, my equal, my companion, my familiar friend. In fact, we used to take sweet counsel together within God's house. We walked in the throng. David shares this picture of him and his friend walking around the tabernacle, having sweet conversations. David and this man spent time together, had meaningful conversations together, spent time at church together. And this is the one who betrayed him. The goodness of the friendship makes the betrayal that much worse. And against this friend, David calls for justice. Just as they have brought about fraud, oppression, and pain in the city, here they have evil in their dwelling place and in their hearts. And David calls for God's judgment on them. Let death steal over them. Let them go down to Sheol alive. This is strong language, and so we need to properly understand how to relate it to our lives. A couple things here. Cries for justice against the evil in this world do not, does not invalidate our mission to evangelize unbelievers. Those are two separate things. And we're called to do both. We are called to reach out to the lost and we are called to cry out for God's justice. And the other thing about this I want you to notice that I think is helpful as we relate it to our lives is that David relies on God for judgment. He doesn't say, I'm going to send them down to Sheol alive. I'm going to bring death upon them. No, he cries out to God for this. It's reminiscent of what Paul says in Romans. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. You know, this reminds me of the story we referenced last week of David and the Ziphites. If we would have said more of the story in the next part, as the Ziphites lead Saul out to kill David, David actually has the opportunity himself to kill Saul, but doesn't. He waits on the justice and vindication of God. And that's another larger theme of David's life. When he is hunted, he does not take justice into his own hands. 
And so as you see these strong declarations crying out for God's justice, that helps us to understand how this is properly understood. That we are not taking justice into our own hands, but we were relying on the justice of God. And that leads us into the last part where David expresses his hope and trust in the Lord. Let's look beginning in verse 16. But I call to God, and the Lord will save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I utter my complaint and moan, and he hears my voice. He redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage, for many are arrayed against me. God will give ear and humble them, he who is enthroned from of old, because they do not change and do not fear God. David comes back to that earlier idea of calling out to God, knowing that the Lord will save me. Even though evening and morning and at noon, he utters his complaint and he moans, he knows God hears his voice. As we talked about last week, even when David is experiencing great pain and injustice, he stands on the truth that he knows about God. Even though he's experiencing pain all the time, that evening, morning, noon, he knows that God hears his prayers. Even though many are arrayed against me, David knows that God redeems my soul in safety from the battle that I wage. Even though David experienced Saul trying to kill him in war, an experience, again, we probably will never fully understand, his trust is in the Lord. When your life feels painful and chaotic, like people are at war with you, God is with you and he will redeem you. I love the picture of Verse 19, God hears your prayers. He will give ear. God will bring about justice. He will humble them. And he will do this because he is the mighty judge enthroned from of old. And he will do this because they are guilty before him. Look at the end there, verse 19. They do not change and do not fear God. Here's something I think we forget, that when people sin against us, they are ultimately sinning against God. When people commit evil against us in this world, while we are sometimes the objects of their sin, they will have to stand before the God of the universe for what they have done. And God always brings about perfect justice. God will bring judgment because they do not change and they do not fear God. And therefore, we can live with hope and trust because God is the enthroned king and judge of this world. In the next part of the psalm, verses 20 to 22, David goes back to talk about that friend again. Let's look at those verses. My companion stretched out his hand against his friends. He violated his covenant. His speech was smooth as butter, yet war 
was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. Cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. Again, the pain of being betrayed by a close friend. The friend violated his covenant against David. But then we get to verse 21, and it gives us more details about the betrayal. Look at this vivid picture of pure hypocrisy. He spoke in a kind and smooth way. He was smooth as butter, softer than oil, yet... War was in his heart, and his words were drawn swords. This friend was a smooth talker, and yet in his heart and in his words were sin and wickedness and war. Have you ever experienced someone who is sweet to your face or kind to you in public, but they're a completely different person if they ever think you did something wrong? That their words are like butter, yet they have war in their heart. How quickly soft words can turn into stone, into swords, excuse me. So what do you do? We all know what that's like. How do you persevere through that? Verse 22 is unique in this psalm in that it actually gives us a command. All of the other parts of this psalm are are David declaring what he's going to do or what he will do. But here we get this clear command of how do we respond when someone pretends to be our friend but speaks with war in their heart. Look at verse 22. Cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. As the old hymn would say, take it to the Lord in prayer. Lift up that burden to the Lord because he will sustain you. God will give you the grace and the strength to endure. But also we take it to the Lord because he will never permit the righteous to be moved. God is our defender. We can trust in his justice. Do you see how this command is supported by two truths. Cast that burden on the Lord because he will give you the strength you need to endure. And cast that burden on the Lord because he is the righteous judge and he will defend his people in justice. So when you are betrayed by that person you thought was a friend, cast that burden on the Lord knowing That God will sustain you and give you the strength to endure. And he will, in his way, bring about justice for his people. This leads to the last verse of the psalm. Psalm 20, verse 23. But you, O God, will cast them down into the pit of destruction Men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days, but I will trust in you.
David, David's hope is found in the justice of God. God will find the guilty guilty. And he will cast them down into the pit of destruction. And that men of blood and treachery shall not live out half their days. Ultimately, the wicked will not prosper. One day they all will have to stand before God as king and judge. They will not get away with their wickedness. And standing on this aspect of his faith, David ends the psalm with this clear declaration of trust in the Lord. But I will trust in you. David presents his pain to the Lord. David stands on the truth of God's justice and ends this psalm with a declaration of his faith in the Lord. The Lord who will sustain him, the Lord who will defend his people. I will trust in you. couple thoughts as we close up this morning. Number one, God knows what it's like to be betrayed by a friend. This psalm demonstrates through the words of David that God knows what it's like to be betrayed by a friend. You know, many of the commentators saw this psalm in relationship to Jesus' betrayal that he experienced. In addition to giving us the words to speak when we feel betrayed, the Bible tells us that Jesus himself was betrayed by a close friend. Sometimes we, we, we don't think about Judas properly because we know the end of the story and we know he's going to betray, so it's not really a surprise. But the fact that the disciples didn't know who it was, right? It's not like Judas always wore like a black cloak and like twirled his mustache in the corner. Jesus lived with this guy 24 7 for three years and was betrayed by him. Your Savior has experienced the betrayal of a friend. He knows what it is like. And we can know that we're not alone in that pain, that we have a sympathetic high priest who has experienced the pain of this world in every way that we have. Secondly, God cares about the justice in our cities and our countries and in our personal relationships between friends. In this psalm, we both see justice on a large scale, on a broad scale, on a culture scale. And then we see it also on a very personal scale. And God cares about both. And we need to care about both. God hates fraud and oppression in the marketplace. God hates the personal betrayal of a friend turning against a friend. 
So when we experience that, we, we can know that God will defend us, both in the marketplace and in relationship. But as God's people, we must also be committed to justice, both in the marketplace and in relationships. Just as we find hope in God as a God of justice, we must also be people of justice as well. Thirdly, cast your burden on the Lord in prayer. Again, there's a command in this one. A clear command to cast our burdens of betrayal on the Lord. He will sustain you. He will give you the strength to endure And he will defend you, and you can trust in his righteousness and his judgment. And that's the last thing I want to leave you with, that you can trust God's justice. God is the king and judge who is seated on his throne over all the earth. God sees the sin and betrayal of this world. And God will judge this world when Christ returns, and the guilty will be found guilty. And God will make all things new. And we will be able to say with David, but I will trust in you. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this lament psalm that you've given us these psalms to express our pain to you, but to move us through that pain to a place of hope and trust. that we would trust in your justice and your goodness and your faithfulness and that we would be people of justice and that we would be able, even in the midst of great hardship, to say with David, but I will trust in you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for watching this video from Hillside Evangelical Free Church. Our hope is that these resources will help you grow as a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We're located in Greenbank, Washington on Whidbey Island. And if you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to have you join us. You can find out more information at our website at hillside-efc.com.